you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app and answer a few questions. With Angie, you can book instantly at an upfront price or request and compare quotes from multiple pros so you can find the best price for your project. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1140. Uh, hey, it is almost mid-November of 2021 and uh, The Wall is back on NBC Friday nights. Uh, right now you can watch it Friday nights on NBC 8, 7 Central. Um, so please uh, keep watching it because I'd love to keep making it. I really love doing that show. So The Wall, uh, Friday nights, 8, 7 Central on NBC. But let's talk about you, the ID10T community. Events at ID10T.com. Like John, who writes, uh, my name is John Avina, a longtime listener to the podcast. Finally decided to make a thing. The thing in question is a comic book called Lockjaw and Pistolero, which is a Western tale of a mariachi player trying to get his life back on track after losing everything to a sorceress. This sounds amazing. Uh, it is a Western pulp sprinkled with horror and Latin folklore. Lockjaw and Pistolero uh, brings to light the diversity of the West in a new rendition of the gunslinger mythos. Please consider backing the Patreon at patreon.com slash John Avina. That's J-O-H-N-A-V-I. I-N-A. Wonderful work, John. Thank you so much for submitting uh, events at ID10T.com to everyone else. This episode is one of my favorite people, Ron Funches, amazing human being, brilliant comedian, one of the best, uh, great host, amazing voiceover artist, great writer. Ron's just uh, just the best. Um, he is on a show called Poorly Drawn Lines, which uh, my company, Fish Ladder, is one of the executive producers of. Poorly Drawn Lines is based on the fantastic webcomic, and it is now an animated show. Um, on uh, It's on Cake, which is on FXX. But if you go to Hulu and you just search for Poorly Drawn Lines, you can just see the episodes there as well. So please watch Poorly Drawn Lines. Um, just a fantastic show. Uh, and, and Ron is fantastic on it. And also... We let's see. We recorded this several weeks back because um, just a little show note here. We do talk in this episode about how I'm still playing Animal Crossing. Like after all this time, actually, I think I I had stopped for a while while we recorded this, but I just started again. One of my complaints was like, "Gosh, they don't. You know, there just aren't really many updates anymore." Since this podcast is posted, there was a major update to Animal Crossing. So Lydia and I are both way into it again. So, you know, if you're an Animal Crossing fan and you're listening to the podcast and you're like, why are you saying there's not an update? There was just an update. Well, this was recorded before that. So just some fun show notes, just deep in the weeds for the Animal Crossing fans out there. Uh, yes, I'm still playing. Yes, I'm. Uh, Lydia and I are designing... <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, animals' homes. There's a whole design element in the game that we're way into. We just love it. And also, uh, we love Ron Funches, who is this episode of the ID10T podcast number 1140, which starts now. Roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol. Hello, Chris. What's up? Nothing. Just came in on one of my least favorite things, a white man playing acoustic guitar. (laughs) 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 I might laugh at that for the whole hour. I'm so sorry. I want to sing about my feelings. Oh my God, Ron! I swear to God, that was one of the funniest things. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, listen. As comedians, I feel like most of the time we're sort of like goalies. Like we're sort of ready for bits, and we can sort of like you process them really fast. And go, okay, I see what the I see the matrix code behind that joke. I'm going to add this. That you, I was so sucker punched by that joke, Ron. I like there are tears burning my eyes. Oh my because god, because we were both in an authentic place where you were enjoying it, and I just told my truth. <laughs> <laughs> you said something about talking dead last week where I laughed so hard, like the, like the contact in my eye like folded in my eye because I was squinting from laughing. I can't remember what it was, but. Oh, man. Already, already a great fun time, Mr. Funches. Uh, (laughs) How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Happy, doing well, working, trying to relax a bit. How are you? How are you? I'm good. You know, playing a lot of guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my, you know, my last, uh, the last iteration of my tour, I was kind of folding music in. Mm-hmm. And this whole time that I haven't been able to tour, I was like, you know, maybe I should get better at this if I'm going to take a guitar on the road. So I just, you know, I, I, I work on it. Nice. But I still Taking I still it back to the old days. Back to the old days. Well, you, you know, for the longest time, at least when I was growing up, if a, if a comic had a guitar, most people's reaction was not dissimilar to yours because mm-hmm. comedy music on stage was, you know, it took a weird turn. But then... You know, you got uh, your Tenacious D's, your Flight of the Concords. You know, it's like some yeah. people really made it cool. And uh, like Garfunkel they made it and Oates. Yeah, Garfunkel and Oates, a phenomenal example. They made it cool again. And uh, and a song is just a great, fun way to take like a, for me, like a mediocre bit that sort of works. But then you mm-hmm. put it into the structure of a song and then something fun and magical can happen. And it's just fun Yeah. Stuff. 
That's what I'm like. Also, why I love Bo Burnham so much, where you'd be like, oh, you're so funny and you're weird. Then like, oh, and then your songs are catchy, too. It's not fair. You got everything's going. I know. I know. And I wonder if that's the thing, too, like because I want my next special to be musical. People are going to be like, well, it's not Bo Burnham. It's like, well, of course it's not. We're different. And, you know, he's a mad genius. And, you know, you can't. It's like comparing people to. You know, it's like, well, it's funny, but you're not George Carlin. Of course not. Yeah. There's like one of those. Like, what do you? Of course. Of course. And that's always like to me, to you, I'm, you know, people are always like, so the whole thing's in their heart, head to high esteem. I love George Carlin, but I think there's plenty of comedians I like better than George Carlin. But that's to me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's. So I think people forget sometimes like, well, it's all subjective. Everyone has different points of view. Comedy's not all one thing. It's like music, you know, there are like sub genres of comedy. But for some reason, comedy's always just had this like, no, it's all one thing. And it's whatever mm-hmm. my opinion, is, you know, it's like it's like, no, it's a lot of things. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think it's also, I think the instrument makes it, um, with music, you have that that thing where like, well, you have to learn how to at least somehow play something before anyone takes you seriously. But I think comedy is such a self-defined job that you you can start right away and be like, I'm a comedian, you know? <laughs> and so many people think that when they come to your show, it's the thing, it's one of the only, you know, one would go up to someone after a concert and go like, I bet I could play just as good as you. <laughs> my friends say i can play guitar great too i mean nice job the edge but um i feel like i you know if i had a guitar pedal i could probably play in you two as well you know like no you probably couldn't you probably couldn't but i think that's sort of the difference between there are uh actually i don't know why it makes me think of um like how bowling used to be very popular in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. and then it then it just wasn't as cool anymore. Well, my dad did it. It was actually a really cool thing to do. And then it wasn't anymore. And I think some of it has to do with the fact that a lot of sports that were very aspirational became very pop, like sports that are, are like really hard to do. And I think at a certain point, people were like, oh, any, everyone can go bowling, mm-hmm. you know, but like not everyone can be a star baseball player or a star football mm-hmm. player. Or star. And so it. I think as it's simple pretty- as like slam dunk a basketball. I think I think about that all the time. I'm like, I would trade in so many show memories for the <laughs> opportunity to slam dunk one time in someone's face. I bet that feels I bet that feels like getting a comedy special. I bet it does. I mean, I'm not even sportsy and I can I can imagine what it must feel like when people just like two-handed dunk a ball and then the backboard shatters and just rains glass behind them mm-hmm. in slow motion like the amount of the amount of power that a person must feel to be but i would i would i would venture to guess though that there are professional athletes who go i wish i could just make people laugh like the idea of going into a room full of strangers and just you know saying these like <laughs> uttering these spells these enchantments and then all of a sudden people laugh a lot of people look at that and go god i wish i could do that 
No, I didn't really consider that much of a skill until I started. I remember I hosted, I mean, I met some athletes and like that. And then I hosted an award show for casting directors, the casties. I, that's not the real name, but I want it to be that. Uh, <laughs> And the nasty goes to <laughs> and you gotta it goes on a little like fishing pole you put it out <laughs> <laughs> but i was so nervous because because i was like oh these are the people that like i go in the room and i and are like in charge of if i get this role or whatever and i started introducing some of these people and then listening to them talk and i'm like oh Oh, even I, they can't, they don't know how to speak in public for shit. <laughs> like, oh, why am I so scared of these people that can't do what I do? And that really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Like we, we, I have stopped putting people on a pedestal that we all have our gifts. Did, uh, after someone accepted an award, did you get up on stage and just go, okay, thanks. Uh, yeah, we'll let you know. Uh, <laughs> I want to do stuff like that. I went there the year before and, and Paul Shear and June Diane hosted and they did a wonderful job. Um, but they did like so much of that stuff that I was like, I want to go a different way. Got it. But to be honest with you, that was the right tax because they only listened when you talked about like casting, directing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, that like the whole casting process to me and you've been doing a lot, a lot of acting stuff lately and the whole casting process to me always seemed unconquerable. It just wasn't within my um, like acting hosting. I mean, acting casting, hosting casting was different, a different thing in my mind, but <laughs> acting casting, it, it's, there are just so many hurdles. And I sort of feel like part of the test is, can you remain mentally can you retain your mental fortitude just to even get through the process mm -hmm. that kind of meta audition is almost part of the audition as well it seems like yeah I, yeah i agree the pressure of like callbacks and then like the when you're in like the producer sessions and it's just down to like you and two other people and they're, they're basically like these are the guys that you're fighting it out for here's your squid game partners and if you <laughs> one of you is gonna get that steak knife out and make it through and then they tell you the amount of money that one of you is gonna get and oh. you're like this is the how do you and then you gotta just literally do it and then just if you don't get a call the next day, you know, and, and that was something like, you know, if you don't or if you're in this business, I think it's surprising to people. My wife has done a couple things recently and she just was like, oh, they don't call you and you don't get it. And I was like, no, they just you just have to assume at some point. <laughs> and very rarely would you even if you're even if your representatives call and say like, oh, you know, how come this didn't work out? Rarely do you get much more than a, yeah, they just went in another direction. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the direction away from me. Okay, okay, got mm -hmm. it, I got it. And and sometimes that's all it is. It's like shopping for a Christmas present or something. It's like, well, you know, when you see it, you know, it's like they have an idea in their mind and they just, sometimes if you've been on the other side of the table for castings, you just kind of know when you see it. You can have these vague ideas of what what you want, but. Yeah, it, I think that's important to, um try to remember both sides of it that's something that was hard for me especially when you're like like i want this money to eat so please i know i'm talented so give it to me uh but then the more i write things the more i try to produce and make things the more i'm like oh sometimes there are just 
views you have in your head. It doesn't matter how talented a person is if they don't fit that role directly that you had in mind. Uh, it's not personal to them. And that's something that that's been helpful for me to go to try to do both sides of that. So I don't freak out. I've definitely had some, but sometimes there's runs where I'm like, why am I here? Like I did one uh, like a, right before the pandemic where it was me and two other guys and they were both just like similar cut, both wore glasses and both were white guys. And I was like, well, you either are. And, and the whole thing was that they were the brother of the main character. So I was like, oh. either there's going to be some heavy rewriting <laughs> or, <laughs> or I'm probably not getting this. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, it, I don't know why, but for some reason, hosting auditions were so much easier for me because I had a, I had much more of a sense of who I am, who I, you know, who I, and so I, I knew in a hosting audition how to personalize the material and I did it purposely I was very much like who I would be on the show because I thought like, well, this is what I would do. I would hate to get the job and then under, you know, and then try to do what I do. And they go, why are you doing that? Or it doesn't work. So I would do what I would do. And if they didn't want that, then I sort of felt like, well, I don't feel bad about that because you just didn't want that thing. And if you hire me, then you want that thing. And I could never port that over for acting stuff because it just... It just the performance of it, or it's like you're making choices that aren't you, and so it's I don't know. It just I was never able to to carry that over to theatrical stuff. I think it very much is the same. I think there's this like twenty percent that is different, where like you find like a Daniel Day Lewis, you find these like people who are able to transform themselves, but. F- from most of the shows I've been on, like the the actor isn't that far from the character. You know, the writers start to lean in towards what the actor has and, and they try to pull that out for them. And it, I mean, I think that's just simple, great coaching where you try to lean into someone's strength and not highlight their weaknesses. And that was something I did have to change in the way that I went into auditions where I, before I would go into like for just about anything, or I go in for like some like, Oh, you're the, you work at some accounting firm and, and you're smarmy. And I'm like, and then at some point, I think it was this thing for like that Kevin Feig was directing and it was going to be in front of him. And I saw the role and I was like, that's, I can't do good at that. And, and I was like, I, I don't want to take this audition. And my manager even was calling me and was like, you like get in front of him. You want to see him? And I go, yeah, I do want to get in front of him. But I think I know about him is this guy makes movies. So he's going to keep making movies. And I'd rather get in front of him with a character that I could do well in and highlights my skill sets instead of me having to mute the aspects of myself that I consider special, mute my optimism, mute my like childlike joy in order to play this role. That's not going to do well for anyone. So I smart idea. I had to just tell, like, look, if it doesn't highlight what I'm naturally good at, then we kind of just have to pass on it. That's that's really smart. And and it is I think we do convince ourselves, like, no, you got to chase everything down. It's like, no, because I mean, because like you said, that wouldn't have necessarily benefited you. And then you would have wasted your time. You would have wasted their time. You potentially could have wasted an opportunity. But I just remember in the 90s. Uh, when I auditioned for theatrical stuff, everyone wanted Matthew Perry. Everyone wanted like that smarmy. Ah, oh, okay, you know, and um, uh, and so I think even just sort of talking about it, it's like, oh, 
when you're doing a theatrical audition, it's so easy to chase what you think they want. Mm-hmm. And with hosting stuff, I just did what I would want. Mm-hmm. So I think like, how do you, how do you just do what you would want to do? And then, like you said, then you don't, then don't take it personally because they don't, they see so many people and it's not like they go, we're not giving this role to Ron because frankly, we just don't like him and we reject it. It's like, no, they just picked somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. that person fit with the rest of the cast or the energy or the vibe or the thing that they were trying to go for. And a lot of times they also find out they were wrong and they'll recast, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we thought we knew we had to recast this role, which of course sucks for the actor they hired. So you just never know. No, I think it's similar to dating. Like when you go from when I was having a hard time with dating, it was a lot of me like, what does this person want me to be? I'm going to try to lean into that. I'm going to hide parts of myself that they might not like. And right. when it started going well for me is when I'd like, this is who I am. This is what I like. If this date goes well, we're going to come back to my house and I'll show you my office covered in action figures. So <laughs> you know exactly what you're getting into. Yeah. And that's hard to do when you're young because you don't quite know who you are yet. I mean, some, you know, there are certainly are people who who do, <clears throat> but you really it takes you a bit of time to even get to that point where you can know who you are and, and what you're about so that you can be yourself and then be comfortable with that. There's like a series of, you know. There's like a series of, of layers that happens, like, you know, modifications. It's like you, mar- you start out as little Mario, then you get the mushroom and then you get the fire mushroom. You know, it's like you have to you have to get those get modifications. The tanuki suit. Yeah. The tanuki yeah. suit. My favorite, the tanuki suit. Got to wear the tanuki suit. I bet it stinks, though. I bet it smells horrible. <laughs> it gets wet. It gets wet a lot. I mean, he's probably going to the bathroom in it, you know, like uh, <laughs> like. Uh, like a, like a wetsuit because you know it's like there's no there's no time to stop and go to the bathroom. So. No, not in those levels. There's a timer and there's a sun chasing <laughs> you sometimes. If you're doing a speed run, what are you supposed to do? You know, like what are you what are you supposed to do? Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. What are you playing right now? 
Oh, uh, thank you for asking. I'm playing a lot of things. Uh, It's been a great year. I didn't think it was going to be such a good gaming year, but it's been wonderful. Right now, I'm playing Metroid Dread a lot, single player, especially when I'm on set. That's like my set game right now. Um, Otherwise, I would have already tried to go through it, but I try to keep it for when I'm at work. Um, And then when I'm at home, when I'm streaming on my Twitch, we've been playing um, Back for Blood, The Left for Dead, spiritual successor and playing a little bit of the avengers um and i've just been started a charity stream for, for the boys and girls club of portland for the rest of october i'm going to be streaming raising money for them um because i was like oh what i got a reason to play video games that is altruistic and makes me feel good in the world <laughs> let's do it no downside there's no. literally no downside not at all I tell my wife she has what you're doing I'm like this is for the children <laughs> Ron, are you playing games again? Excuse me. I am helping kids. Mm-hmm. Sure, yes, I could probably just donate on my own. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Twitch channel? So uh, just Ron underscore Funches. If you want to come by, it used to be just Ron Funches, but then I forgot the password to that account. So now it's Ron oh, underscore no. <laughs> Oh, no. One day I'll make a call, try to combine them. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, people come. It's fun time. We just hang out, play video games. It's pretty chill. I like being on Twitch. Not all day, but I like doing it a little bit. I think I, I think I pretty much, I'm pretty sure I told you when you did talking to like I only just quit playing Animal Crossing like five mm-hmm. six weeks ago, and uh, you know, on the one hand, <clears throat> it's easy to get cranky. With like, God, they just didn't like the updates on that game. I, first of all, I don't know why they didn't. It's like, okay, well, once you buy the game, that's it. There really isn't any reason for them for years to be spending money to add more content Free from update, their yeah. point of view. I wish they did as a player. But then I thought, like, well, why not? Why not just DLC packs? Like, they would have made a fortune. You know, if we could have gotten Brewster like a year ago, or just like uh, other stuff, just to sort of keep people engaged, I would have I would have spent money on that game forever if they had doled it out. Yeah, no, they don't do a good job at simple like um, just quality of life improvements, like trying to like sell multiple things at a time or do anything in multiple time, or are just trying to go to multiplayer island and without someone interrupting you every five minutes when they jumped into it. Uh, but still, I mean, that game is going to hold a place in time as like save most people's mental health during the, the heights of the pandemic when we were super scared. That yeah. game really came through and was like, well, at least I can plant these flowers. I can try to make some <laughs> hybrid colors and I can get this wrestling ring put together in my backyard. Oh, there's no question. I, there's no question that that game you know, even for the few minor complaints. And my complaints are really that I wish I could just play it forever, you know? Like, that's my complaint, is I just wish there was new, like, new stuff forever. Uh, but you're right. I mean, to live in this, to, to, to have basically this, like, awful thing going on in the world globally, and then to go into this utopian, idealistic, you know, talking animal world where everything is just simple and the it's just simple tasks. Oh, all I have to do is... You just return this lost item to a talking fox in my bill. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, he gave me a shirt. You know, like it was so fucking joyful. So there's no question that it will always, always make me happy. 
I also wanted to know what it's like to be a person that can play a game consist just one game consistently. I've never been like that. I always have like a multiplayer game and a single player game I'm playing. I play so many new i'm thinking maybe it also maybe it's more about me because now i'm thinking about myself when i was young we didn't have a lot of money for games so i only never had more than like two or three games and now i'm like i get all the games well that's that that's that's a reasonable assessment but i can tell you as someone who does stick with one game for an unreasonably long period of time i would say it's Probably light OCD because you 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 like the patterns. Like the patterns feel very from. I mean, I literally have the same breakfast every single morning. I like the pattern of it. I like not having to think about it. It feels very comforting to me. To I get excited the night before because I already know what my breakfast is going to be the next morning. What is it? I want to know now. Uh, scrambled egg whites with spinach, uh, rye toast, and extra crispy turkey bacon and an almond oh, latte. Okay, that's a good breakfast, right? It's kind of yeah. it's, it's pretty healthy, and it's you know it's it's good, and it's always it's always there. Like I I just I love the I love the comfort of patterns. Like they just feel feels nice. Like I'm, and also the older you get, your body does not like to be surprised by foods. Mm-hmm. It does always not always react favorably. And they're like, what the fuck? Why did you? A waffle? What the fuck are you doing? Oh no, this will not stand. And then yeah, I found that recently yes. too. Or my, or if I'm like, oh, it's a cheat meal day. I'm gonna get a waffle. My body's like, no, we don't. We what has happened? <laughs> We've gotten used to this Monday. We're to Friday. We want our protein shake or our overnight oats. Where we do, and I love bringing my overnight oats on set. And other people are eating their crafty breakfast burrito, and they're looking at my cinnamon covered apple overnight oats that my wife made. <laughs> You feel love. <laughs> and then on that Saturday, your body's like, no, no, whatever you're putting in here now, we're just going to instantly turn that into diarrhea. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and then don't do this ever again. <laughs> I mean, when I think about, you know, like times maybe 20 years ago where I could just you know, go out and then at two o'clock in the morning, just eat like a chili cheeseburger. Like it hurts my stomach now, even thinking mm-hmm. that there was ever a time where that was a thing my body could handle. It's magical. I love that. Those magical early days of comedy, but that's when you were like getting paid in food. So when you're like, Oh man, I still think about that. I can't have it, but like, Oh, like doing a late set and then going to a diner for like a good oh. club sandwich. With some curly fries? That oh, was, my oh. God. The late night curly fries. Oh, so club, was Club Sandwich your thing? Was yeah, I love thing? a good Club Sandwich. Yeah. I loved a good, a good grilled ham and cheese from a diner that just felt like the grill had retained the flavors of like 50 years <laughs> of, of, of grill work. Just all in there. You know, that magical. Yeah. It was just got a little favorite. beef in there, a little fish in there. <laughs> Who knows? Whatever it is, they've all, uh, every food that has passed through has imbued the grill with some type of flavor modifier that, uh, that just all bakes into whatever is, you know, whatever you're eating in the moment. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I don't know. Do you? I I don't know why I think you're a vegan. Are you a vegan? No, <laughs> like, no, no. Turkey no. bacon. You said. Do you eat red meat? I do, but not often, and but not really by choice. I just lost my taste for it a little bit. Like I, 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 I don't know why. Like I, 
I think some of it, I have, I have just genetically high cholesterol, so I have to take mm-hmm. cholesterol medicine. And, uh, and so, you know, when I kind of started going easy on red meat, I started the cholesterol medicine. That was very helpful. And it's not like you can eat everything in the world with cholesterol medicine, but you can, but for me, I'm a little lax with it. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I, cause my wife very much is a red meat eater. And I just at a certain point, just like, ah, eh, I don't know, like I like in and out every once in a while, mm-hmm. maybe once a month I'll have a steak, but I just don't have the urge to eat red meat that often. I don't know why. I just don't. I find myself losing it as I get older. And now I'll tell you the truth. Tell you the truth. I like a good black bean burger. Most of the time over just a a mediocre burger. Give me like a nice savory black bean burger. I'm very happy. Uh, But there's also, I just was going to ask you because I saw Seth Rogen post about it. And this is burger place I've been going to. And I didn't know if other people were going until he posted about it. But this place called Gold Burger LA in Silver Lake. They do now. That's a that's some good red meat. That's a good burger. Worth I have not been to Gold Burger. I don't know about this, but I don't live too far from there, so I should. We'll we'll check that out. You should check it out. Just a nice, simple walk up. They and they smash burger, grill some onions. But the way they, you know, to me, a good burger is always more than the sum of its parts. And then when it's all melted together and milled, and then they do the curly fries as well, and some homemade pies. I, I I mean I don't I didn't come to do any promo but I will Goldberger LA. <laughs> All right, so I'll try I'll try Goldberger. I really am. Liddy and I really are in and out people. We'll like go to an event and then drive through. We'll skip the dinner at the event, and drive through in and out. I was on a burger kick for a while. Every Sunday, we go down and 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 try to find a new burger place. There was this place ran by this ninety something your Bills Burgers here in the Valley. He, the guy's ninety two, cash only, no fries, only ch- Lay's chips. Oh. I don't even. Yeah, so he was. Yeah, you get him. You see what he's about. Not he was the only person on the grill. Not I don't think he might have closed recently. Not sure, but he was doing it by himself through COVID. Him and his wife. Oh God bless you, Bill. I still I I hope you're out there. Well, you know, growing up in bowling centers, like bowling center snack bar food, it it just has a magic to it that Mm -hmm. is. It is that kind of like. I don't know. It's just it's the right amount of grease, you know. It's just like it it it, it and it, and in the setting in the context of the of, of like a bowling center. I don't know. It's just like you know, get your fries all soggy with ketchup. I don't know. It's it's no, I like just, it. Because it almost feels like it's not professionally. Because it isn't usually. It didn't feel professionally made. It felt like <laughs> like you're like I'm having a fun. Mom made me this hot dog. You know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like a step above like a pool party barbecue or yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's indoors. Yes, and you paid for it. <laughs> I really miss that is the one thing that I miss about traveling and being on the road is just finding the local diner mm-hmm. to go to after the show. It's like, well, what's the what's the great mom and pop diner? What's the great local, you know, and especially if it's a college town, college towns have the, you know, the best local diners. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and weird names for their food. And you're like, this is fun. This is very local. But I go to Bloomington, Indiana or trying like a garbage plate in Rochester. That was funny. Have you ever had a garbage plate? No. Oh, it's gross. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's basically all the barbecue fixes that you would get on one plate. So usually like a base of like 
potato wedges and macaroni salad and then oh they just God. put like a burger patty a, a sliced sausage a hot dog and you just scoop it all up it's a my, oh my, my friend God. Gabe loves them but I I had one I was like this is this is too much I could not do that I don't think I could do that right before bed I think I would just be up all night I was just not can you, I mean it's especially like <laughs> You do that after a show, and then you got to do get up and do radio the next morning. <laughs> it was like I can't. I'm sorry. I I had to call in. Uh, uh, I I had to call in sick because you just there's just no way you could get around that. You I'd be up all night. Garbage plate will do you in. Absolutely no. You don't want to have that in early morning radio. Oh, that takes me back even thinking about it though. It is easy to see how. You really have to do extra work. It's easy. It's easy to be healthy when you're home and in your own environment, and you have your own set of rituals, and everything is you know within reach, and you figured out you know. But but being be like eating healthy on the road, and it's not just. It's not even. It's. I don't look at eating healthy as like for any reason other than just to feel better. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's like you you feel better when you eat healthier consistently. You just do. And uh, it's really hard to do on the road, especially because you have to eat fast. You don't know when you're going to eat again sometimes, so you want to fill up. And it's like if you don't eat a lot before a show because you don't want to get weighed down, then you do two shows, you're starving. So, of course, you're going to be like, I need a basket of fries. I Mm -hmm. need a fucking grilled cheese sandwich because you just you're just trying to get all those carbs in that you that you just expended on stage. Yeah, no, you got to prepare. That's been a thing for me and been mostly helpful with my wife sends me out with my at the end. She's like, well, if it all breaks down, you always remember you got this protein powder in a shaker cup and I put in your bag. So if you don't have anything, you can drink this protein shake. And that saved me several times at like airports or late night things where I'm like, well, either I'm going and then it's a battle with myself because I'm like, well, I can order this McDonald's or I can drink this protein shake. And then I usually let the cheap side of me comes out and I'm like, well, you already have the protein shake. You want to pay to eat poorly that sounds like a bad situation you just drink this protein shake so that's usually helpful but yeah it really highlights i mean i've been following a lot i've been getting more interested in stuff like that as i get older and taking charge of my health but following accounts like food babe on instagram she's very helpful but just helping you find alternate foods to eat and uh, just really knowing how it's not set up for you to succeed. If you're not cooking stuff on your own, it's very hard to find. There's not a, there's not like a, there's no like chain health restaurant in America and it wouldn't do well if it was here. It's hard. It, it is hard to find. And it's also, you know, I'm sure it's also hard to mass produce health food of that quality as mm-hmm. as well, you know, and it it is, you're right. It's set up. It's kind of set up to be addictive. It's a, I mean, it's a little bit like a, it's a little bit like a casino, right? Like a casino could be fun, but it's not there to be your friend. You know, yeah. it's there to look like your friend, you know, just like fast food. Hey, I'm your buddy. Ah, now I'm going to fucking kick your colon in half, you know, like it's yeah. not. But then you want it again the next day. So it's not designed. Uh, Fer- Furman, when we were touring a lot together, he uh, Furman said there was this book called Eat This, Not That, which was supposed to help you navigate like. What are the healthiest things at like big chain restaurants and fast food chains? You know, if you if you absolutely if you don't have any other choice, but you want to skew on the healthier side, like what can you do? But a lot of places now are starting to throw in like, you know, meatless stuff. And you're right, like a, a good black bean burger or something is 
you just don't feel as bad as eating like a greasy burger sometimes, you know, it just feels, it feels good. Yeah. No, it feels good. I tell you, yeah, I go to, uh, when I want to stay healthy, but I'm feeling real fast foodie, veggie grill, black bean burger with a lentil soup makes nice. me feel good. Just saying it out loud makes me feel like an old man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, first you have to zero in on that's your meal. And then the earlier you eat it and still call it dinner. Like if you're at 430 <laughs> dinner, it's you know the end is near I, don't <laughs> I feel like age is you know yes age is just a number but it's also I feel like we start to get old when we choose convenience and comfort first you know mm-hmm. it's like hey yeah. you know, I could wear this fashionable thing but this is much more comfortable you know and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that there's no wrong with that I think you start getting older as a man when you start just wearing anything someone hands you. <laughs> Put this on. All right, it'll cover me. That's yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. Like, whatever. Jiffy Lube. <laughs> just Jiffy Lube shirt. Just, hey, that's cool. Where'd you get that? I don't know. Yeah, someone handed it to yeah, me. <laughs> that would be a fucking great. That would actually kind of be a great gag for a store, which was just like it. Everything's just sectioned by sizes. You don't have to think about it. You just grab whatever size you are. And maybe there's an NFC thing in your phone and it just charges it and you leave. And you don't even have to think about it. You don't have to fucking try it on. You don't have to look at it. Mm-hmm. It just it just is. And whatever it is, you're 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 fine with. Yeah. And you had to call it. Well, it's clean. <laughs> so when you go back home and you're in an argument. <laughs> well, you're not going to be naked if you put this on. Yeah. So that's really the main thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what are you? What are you worried about? You know, what do you care? That's the other thing too. Is that the older you get, the less you really care. Like, oh, do I look? Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Who cares? I don't fucking. Yeah. It's good. That's that's a beautiful thing, especially you know the more we going through things, pandemic, uh, losing friends. It's like, quick, you're like, oh no, who knows how long I'll be here? Quit caring about what other people think. I gotta, if I just want to go out in my pajamas and have fun, I gotta do that. That's been a big switch with me. I'm always like, I was like, I want to be the best comedian, and then when I was act, started getting acting, I was like, I want to be like, you know, I want to be one of the best. And now I'm, my whole thing's like, I want to have a fun life like that's that. the best that's the best run because number one you can't really quantify who's the best comedian or who's the best actor and even if you did achieve that it wouldn't feel satisfying for more than a few seconds and then you'd feel like you had to climb some other mountain so all you can do really is just ask that question like am i gonna have fun is this gonna be fun and i want to have a fun life that's the absolute best and it might take you to those other places mm-hmm. and it's okay to have those experiences as long as you don't need them to define your existence you can yeah. enjoy them they just don't have to be who you are you know and that's okay mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a hard for me. I didn't I mean truly until the pandemic. I didn't have it. I was still. If you asked me, like you know, I'd be like, I'm a dad and stuff. But I would be in my heart. I'm like, I'm a comedian, you know. And having that taken away from me, and being like, oh, I still have to find value in myself in my life without that. Uh, sucked for a while I was depressed and I talked my wife about it and for a while even she like didn't get it because she's like we have a good life we're so lucky that like 
we're able to still stay home. You don't you don't have to go on the road. You have work coming in with voiceovers. And I was like, yeah, but this is who I thought I was. This is what I thought I was always going to do. Like even like, you know, acting or whatever, there's always that thing. And people are like, well, if everything goes to shit, there's always the road still. And then right. you're like, well, it's not. So I have to. <laughs> it's not there. There's no road right You there. lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but, uh, you know, yeah, because two years ago, people would be like, oh, what's going to happen? What's the whole world going to shut down? Fucking shut up. Oh, wait, actually, it did. Uh, fuck. Yeah. But that's good because it's good to learn that you are who you are, not what you do, you know, mm-hmm. like you're not, you're, you're not your job, you know, it, but it's, but the tricky part is as comedians, the foundational element of what we do relies on approval from other mm-hmm. people, you know, like you, I guess you could be the kind of comedian who's like, well, I'm going to tell whatever jokes I want. And if people don't laugh, I don't give a shit. I don't think there's many of those, but I don't want to be that. Like, I like when the audience has fun. I like when we find bits together like oh i gave a little bit you gave a little bit and we formed this really nice kind of fun relationship but the downside to it is you can really get into that like oh i need approval or this does this isn't mm-hmm. this doesn't exist or it's not real and it's like no you know that's a thing you do it doesn't have to doesn't have to define you yeah no i think that's a hard lesson to learn for a, a lot of um freelance artists of any type um you know you see it in wrestling you see it in things i love and you're like mm, should you really be maiming yourself to the point that you're going to be injured for the rest of your life for this like crowd of 200 people in this 50 bucks like you can find a middle ground here and just have a good life and have fun and still be happy and and the thing that i found for myself was that um, I was afraid it's like, oh, if I'm not challenging myself, if I'm not like pushing myself to be the best, then I wouldn't work hard. And I found the opposite to be true. That the more fun I'm having, the more inspired I feel, the more relaxed I feel, the more work I tend to be able to get done. Yeah, because there's uh if if the whole idea is that you just want to have fun or you want to see the fun in things then you're not motivated by the fear of failure. You're motivated by the acquisition of fun. <laughs> and that, that, that sort of running from whatever failure is or like not doing enough X, Y, or Z, it's, uh, it's a really horrifying existence and also a relatively unrewarding one because it never ends. It mm-hmm. just, even if you work on bigger stuff, then the stakes get bigger. And then the stress gets bigger, you know, like you never know that when you're young and you just think like, oh, my problems will be solved if I just make it's like, well, no, some of them will be solved. But then you'll just get these other ones that seem even more intense. Yeah. So it just isn't the way Worry that people are going to forget about you worried that like if you take a week off, life's going to move on. And it's like, that's no way to that's no way to live. And, um, you know, I think when you're I don't want to waste so much time being like oh, this is something I could have just fixed in my head. Like, I want these 60 be like, God oh. damn it, I, I wasted 50 years just yeah. trying to, oh, shit. You mean all I had to do was, oh, man, you know? Mm-hmm. But also when you think about like every work accomplishment that, well, you know, when I think about, I, I, won't, I won't say you, I'll say me, like every work accomplishment that I've had, I've done more stuff than I ever thought I would ever do. And I love mm-hmm. it and I appreciate it. 
the things that I tend to remember, the things that I go back to that are satisfying and make me feel all warm and fuzzy or like the trip I took with friends or like the other, you know, like a week ago for the first time in my wife's pregnancy, we started to see like the baby like move underneath her skin. So alien. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. Or just like, she'll just put my hand on her stomach and I'll just feel it move around. It's like, I will never, I I will never forget that as long as I live. Like that is going to be the thing that, that like burrows down deep into my gut and is satisfying more than, you know, uh, oh, remember that one talk show I did or that one, you know, like, I don't know. Not that those things aren't important, but it just, the, the, the satisfying element of them doesn't stick as long as the, the IRL personal. Yeah. No, and I think for myself, like, I mean, similar to talking about video games, like, and just in life, I like, I like new experiences. I like going through new things that I never thought I'd go through. So like to like have, I'm very excited about this. Anything that I've done, I'm especially when they're just fun. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I hosted a slip and slide show that got shut down because of diarrhea and everybody <laughs> talked about it on the news. Oh my God, Ron, That's... I forgot about that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was so excited for you when I saw that you were hosting this show. And when I heard about that, I was like, oh no. Because again, it's horrible. Like something like that's horrifying because, you know, the show just stops but at the same time, it's that sort of lesson of like the entertainment business, like you never, it's hard just to get a show on the air. And then once the show's on the air, you still don't even know if it's going to stay on. And then for a ridiculous reason, I mean, I just, I had so much empathy for you and that whole crew and the whole, everyone who was making that show. I'm so sorry. I appreciate that. That's more than most friends who just hit with the poop jokes right away. No, uh, I know. It's just I've just been doing this for so long. And I know like I just know how heartbreaking it is, like even just because it because it has a lot to do with how we categorize our wins. It's like I got a show. It's on the air. We're airing on this date. What just happened? You know, and it just mm-hmm. it's just like. Oh, come on, man. You know, like I just I I really felt I really felt for you in that in that in that moment. I really did. Thank you. I mean, I, I, you know, you guys, I take look for the positives and the positives for me were that like I I just recently fell in love with hosting. Right. Like I did nice one a few years ago, maybe three or four years ago now. And who knows? I never know dates anymore. But it was. I fell in love with hosting and I was like, man, I really want to do this. And since then I've like, I got to host a spinoff of chopped. I got to host uh, what was going to be a big, big show on NBC, like with an Olympics lead in. Uh, and I was doing a great job. And for like, for it to like, you know, sucks that it didn't get shown and people didn't get to, to see that I did a great job, but I know I did a great job and the people who made it know I did a great job. And the fact that like, you know, that's all I hear now is them being like, well, we're going to, you know, we don't stop making shows. We'll find something else to put you in. And like those type of things mean a lot to me, you know, and you can tell when it's people just shining you on, but like when the fact they're like, no, man, you are a good host. You're so charming. It's fun. Like, and I'm like, I love doing this. I'm like, Oh, we'll find it. Something will work out. I, it just sucks when you are like, Oh, I thought this was it. I thought I was going to sit next to Bobby Moynihan and put retired NBA players down giant slip and slides well into my fifties. I thought that was going, 
be fun. <laughs> well, that but but you're right. The thing is, like, you know, at a certain point in your career, you have to recognize that it's not an accident anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the result of the work that you've put in and the showing up and being cool and doing a good job. And you know, hopefully, it sounds like you do. You know that. It, that was not an anomaly. Like it's, it definitely will happen again because you've already proved that you can do it, and you're doing it over and over and over again. So that 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 show will come along. Like it will it will happen. And then you know, at that point, it might be a case where you might do something that was unthinkable to you 20 years ago, which is you'll consider if you feel like taking on another thing. You know, like mm-hmm. when you when you think about quality of life over this kind of like. The, the mythos of the successful career, the elusive whatever that is. And it's like, well, what's what are the quality of life choices? And you, maybe you'll take it. And maybe you'll go, nah, because then I won't get to see my son as much or my wife or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, I really, and I always feel really bad. I, I feel a lot of empathy for performers who um, – you know, like the Dana Carveys or the or the Rick Moranises, who at a certain point was like, I want to spend time with my kids. I want to spend time with my family. And then outwardly people were like, well, I mean, what happened to that guy? Why do you, it's like he wanted a better life. They're still funny. They still work. But maybe he just want maybe these people just wanted to enjoy their lives and not be on this fucked up hamster wheel of the entertainment business. All that I have so much respect for the strength of character it takes to step away from a quote successful career and choose quality of life and family. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's like still being a true artist. Like I I never got into this job to be like, oh, what's the like thing that's gonna get me the most money or make me the most famous? Like I just was like, I like fun stuff. I like doing fun stuff. When I go on like cupcake wars or something, it was, to me I was like I never thought anyone asked me to do something silly like this. This is so (laughs) fun. I get to do stuff like that. So that's how I look at usually anything. Like I've, you know, I've I've turned down jobs before I had, you know, turned a job down in in the middle of the pandemic when I didn't know if other money was coming in just because I was like, oh, it'll make me money. But like, it doesn't sound that fun. And so, and I had been in, Luckily, I've had enough experience in this career that I like I did a show for just the money before and thought it wasn't going to be fun and found out what it does to my psyche and what it does to my mood and how I like come home and not nice to, you know, not a horrible person, but I'm not as like um, I'm short with people. I'm short with my son, I'm short with my wife, and I'm not. I, I have to feel like I'm funny. I have to feel like I'm helping out, that I'm thinking, that I'm growing if yeah. I'm just like pitching jokes and we're like all right we're done we're going home no we don't like to improvise we're just you know we're just nine to five we're going home and there's a lot of shows like that i'm like oh i didn't know that and maybe when i'm older that'll be something i'm interested in but right now i love problem solving i like being on weird stuff i like like you know like poorly drawn lines when just working with reza and he'll like have this like really smart well-written script and then but he doesn't mind if i'm like Oh, but like, what if I joke off of this and do this with it? Or what if I turn it this way? And he'll, he's cool with me talking through that. And some places aren't, but like, I can't really, I don't work well with one without the other. I have to feel like my input is also valued. Yeah. And, 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 and Reza uh, did such an amazing job. I mean, he's, he's just such a genius. Also like one of the nicest people. And 
you know, for people who don't know, Poorly Drawn Lines is a really popular webcomic. And then um, my uh, production company, Fish Ladder, uh, worked with it. And then it went to uh, FXX. And it is airing now every week on Cake, which is their uh, short-form animation program. And it's on Hulu the next day. And uh, that's my that's my plug for that whole show. But I'm yeah, so... just, just go to Hulu and put in Poorly Drawn Lines. Poorly, poorly drawn lines. I'm sure the other cartoons are great. I think Paul F. Tompkins is in one. I think that's great. But, like, I like Poorly Drawn Lines. Well, it's, you know, he's done something which is which is really hard to do, which is it, he's taken a webcomic, which if you read if you read just a static comic, obviously people have their own ideas in their head. Like, what do the voices sound like? What's this? How would it work? But to port a comic to an anim, animation, to an animated show is a really hard thing to do. And he did he did it so brilliantly and flawlessly and seamlessly that it's the two coexist and I just I was so you know I mean I didn't do anything for the show it's just our production company was involved in getting it on the air and you know our people who work at Fishladder are more involved but 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 Reza just did such a stellar job like I was just so blown away from like day one seeing the first animatics like fuck this is really great he already knows exactly what this is mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like the first season of a show it really just felt like you've you've dropped in already when the show had hit its stride which is a really hard thing to do no i agree that's uh, i mean the one and i don't blow smoke about projects usually if i'm just like in it i'm like uh i'll bring it up and i'll plug it but like this is a, like, I'm very, like, as a stoner teen who grew up watching, like, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and then now, like, Dana, the voice of Master Shake is in uh, Poorly Drawn Lines, and, like, I'm like, this is the, that, like, this is a show that would have been on, like, prime adult swim. Like, this yeah. is a show that is smart and weird, and it's, it's a little bit skewed. It doesn't necessarily, like, before, everything is just, like, like how violent or how like robot chickeny it can be, which I are fine shows, but now to me, like they lean so much into like just slapstick violence and over the topness. Where like what I loved about Adult Swim at its height to me was like shows like home movies, shows that were like weird and silly and adult, but in this animated way and were like dry and smart, like Dr. Katz and like. I mean, the best compliment I can give for the drawn line is like, I would watch this show whether I was in it or not. I mean, usually me hearing my own voice in the show is a detriment to me watching it. But like, I, I watch this, I, I look forward to it every week. It's just so smart and weird and funny. And my wife likes it. I think it's a great, I mean, I think it's a phenomenal a cast too, like Darcy Carden and then just like a bunch and also like a bunch of really amazing guest stars. Like, it's just a, it is just like one of those things that just like you said it's just everything about it is like everything just kind of connects everything just really works and it's fun and and i i i like a thing that's just fun and silly for fun and silly sake you know Mm -hmm. and and also just that kind of surrealist take on things too where everything can be normal and all of a sudden for no explanation just go like wildly fantastical but it's still grounded somehow and then all just kind of wraps up at the end. Like it, I don't know. It just, I, I just absolutely love the show. I just love it, and I love you on it. Uh, Me and I'm too. So glad I was it. excited. I, 
didn't know much about the webcomic until a little bit after um, I auditioned for it. And then I realized that like a lot, <laughs> which is always a good sign for me because I usually uh, date pretty cool women, but a lot of my ex-girlfriends liked the webcomic. And I was like, oh, and and I saw a Kevin like specific strip where he was like, uh, we were just talking about how nice he was and that he would kick the ass of anybody nicer. And I was like, oh, that's me to a T. Like, oh, I totally should be this bird. <laughs> Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post, with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY. Well, I was excited that you, you know, I mean, uh, you know, if it was if it was up to me, they would have just offered it to you. But, uh, you know, <laughs> networks and so and so forth, you know, they have to go through their, their processes. And yeah. uh, but I just I just had a feeling that it was. I just had a feeling that, you know, ah, Ron's going to knock this out of the park. Ron's totally going to knock this out of the park. But you have to also understand how exciting it is for me as your friend and as someone who's been a fan of yours for so long to just watch you blossoming in all of these amazing ways. It just, uh, it you know, I hope it doesn't sound condescending to say that that delights me because it just, it, it's like it's like watching people discover what I already knew about you, you know, like, I don't know. It's just fun. It's just fun. That makes me feel really good. I appreciate that very much. And I've always um, appreciate how much you supported me and, and um, just been nice to me and nice to uh, comedians in general. Um, you know, and I always try to return a favor. I always try to, uh, you know, be loyal and supportive to you. Well, I appreciate I appreciate that. That's why I appreciate that you do Talking Dead. I appreciate you do the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think people- that was what I was going to mention, because I don't know. Do you think I'm up to date on that? I don't <laughs> Come on, come on, come on. Hey, hey, let's spoil the, let's spoil the. What are you talking about, Ron? I don't say it, I don't like it. I do like the show, but no, I so yeah. the thing at the beyond I had to learn about. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did a great job, and it, uh, it, it, it is one of those things, especially reflecting now back on. It's it's very surreal to think that that show's ending, you know, that it's like this thing that 
that, yeah, I mean, it's upsetting, but it's also like, how can you be mad at getting to do a show for 11 or 12 years? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, well, that's rare. That's just not something that happens very, you know, unless you're on like a law and order, you know, mm-hmm. if you're on a Dick Wolf show, sure, you can work on a show for 30 years or, you know, but, it, but, but outside of that, there's not a lot of, especially with streaming now, streaming, I don't, I don't think streaming shows are going to get to do 11 seasons of mm-hmm. anything anymore. I think those, I think those days are coming to a close. Yeah, no, and I don't like it. I wish it. I love, uh, to me, that's one of the greatest things about shows when you go back and can look at the catalog and watch the rise of a show, watch when they reach their peak, watch when, like, they're at their um, most popular, but maybe not at their creative peak, and then watch as it goes tanks and see when it goes bad. Like, those are my favorite things with sitcoms. I love watching it when you're, like, watching Martin and you're like, oh, you could tell everybody hated each other here. (laughs) But don't you like to watch those parts where, on a show where it can dip, but then it comes back around. And it's yeah, like, oh, the they office did that. The office did that. And also going back and then being like, wow, these later seasons of the office weren't as nearly as bad as a lot of people tried to say when they were mad that Steve Carell left. There's some really good stuff in the later seasons. Clark Duke does a great job. There's some good stuff. I can't imagine what it must be like. I mean, I always think about... You know, I always think about a show like the, you know, The Simpsons or a show that's, I mean, there, there are a handful of animated shows that have been on for a significant amount of time. And it's like the, the, the job of having to write new storylines for a, a show that's been on for decades. I mean, I feel like it's challenging to do that after a couple of seasons, much less decades, mm-hmm. you know, that a show has been on when people know the characters so well, when they maybe have gone through periods where the characters have become caricatures of themselves Mm -hmm. because there's just like, what else can you do? And so, you know, I just, I think that I'm very forgiving with things because I know how hard it is to make stuff and to make stuff consistently. It's just fucking so hard. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I'm, you know, that's why, I'm you. that's why I like the Venom movie. A lot of people were hating on it, but I'm like, sometimes I just want campy fun. I don't need an Oscar winner with every movie. <laughs> I don't, Venom should just curse at people and be weird and eat heads. And he did that. So <laughs> my son had a good time. <laughs> I wish that had been, I wish that had been the marketing campaign. Listen, sometimes you just need a new movie where Venom curses at people and eats heads and that's this movie enjoy and i think people are like okay i get it yeah mm-hmm. it's that people are like oh it's a little over the top i know this it's not as good as this movie. I means what we talk about with comedians like it was fun it was silly i enjoyed it my son liked it i like i mean yeah but i think it is um also i think it's two things right as you get older and as you get experience working in this business but when you when i was younger i was like oh that sucks this sucks but you know this this shouldn't even have any right to exist who would want to watch this show <laughs> but i think one of the greatest sentences you can learn at, at any age is to go with like this isn't for me you know yeah exactly or the other thing is that you know, when we talk about the they, you know, they say, oh, all these people said this about this movie. They didn't like this. We do have to remember sometimes that that's not everybody. It's like the loud, you know, it's like a percentage of people will hate something and a percentage of people will think it's the greatest thing they've ever seen. But then there's a lot of people in the middle, a significant number, which is probably more 
representative of what the actual <laughs> acceptance of a thing is with like, yeah, most people were just fine with it, but not so much that they had to go online and talk about it or they didn't hate it so much that they had to go, but that was fine. Like there was exactly the kind of experience they wanted and fine, but then they just weren't vocal about it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think that probably is somewhere in the middle where like most people live with stuff. Yeah. And I think on the grand scheme, you got to look at it that way because you get online for too long. You think we're about to, we're on the beginning of a race war, but you go, you like, I think, traveling the road that's one thing i I think i was talking about with jeremiah watkins there's another comedian where like traveling the road always reminds you that like we're a lot more alike and we're a lot more chill and a lot nicer to each other when you're in person than you would ever be like online when when people are so um passionate about different things but like at the end of the day if i was like oh i hate this movie you know this movie but we're like oh you still we can still go get some food together you know well yeah looking people in the eyes i mean it's it, I had forgotten until we went back to Talking Dead to do the shows live with an audience. I knew I really loved that experience, but I think I forgot how much I needed it just as a performer, as just a person being around other people and just sort of seeing people's you know faces and hearing the, their response of just like, oh my God, I, I really forgot how wonderful this feels and how much I appreciate it and how much I miss going to shows and being able to look people in the eye and shake their hands and say, thanks for coming to the show or, or just sort of having that, that personal experience is just, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, I would say like, I love doing the shows, all the stuff around stand up is, is a little bit of a chore, the travel and the, you know, the getting up early in the morning and doing press and then like making sure, Oh, did, how many people bought tickets? Are we going to have enough? But you know, it's like mm-hmm. stressing about the actual shows and the meeting the people it's the fucking best yeah no it truly is it's super fun super easy and not many other jobs where you're like oh i'm just working 45 minute chunks and i'm done and i get to eat food and they bring it to me it's a beautiful <laughs> thing i love it so much i hope that when people if anyone out there is like oh i want to do what ron funches does i hope they do i hope they what they do when they emulate you is to choose the things that they love doing have fun ask that pivotal question of like you know is this fun is this giving me a good quality of life not so much copying the way that you do things but copying the way that you go about doing things you know i'm looking in your background right now and i just see all these amazing game platforms i see a vr unit and and i just know like you know, you've really carved out this really great thing. You know, you have a wonderful wife and a great son and you play video games and you do it for charity, but then you get to do voiceover and then you get to do acting stuff and then you get to host and then you get to do stand up. Like, and you, you, you really chose all of that. You, you really crafted that. That was by design, but it's, but it's hard for everyone. It's hard sometimes I think for people to know that they can do that because they feel like, they have to fit into certain boxes that are told like, mm-hmm. well, it doesn't really work that way, you know? And it's like, well, maybe it doesn't work that way because the person, someone hasn't done it. <laughs> yeah, no, leaning into whatever you love and having it be authentic. That's what I think works for me, you know? Like I've been able to get a good, amount of career and fan from pro wrestling community it's not because i was like oh look at this rabbit fan base of people that like wrestling let me go in and pretend like i like wrestling and then they're gonna like me it's like i love this stuff i naturally was into it before 
uh, I mean, that's one of the biggest pluses in my life is all these things that were considered detriments or uncool for me. The, the things that I love, the fact that I was a big gamer, big into wrestling, the, the way my voice sounds uh, as a young you know, black man growing up in Chicago are all now things that have aided my career and aided me in having a, a better life. And so that's all I can say is like, yeah, lean into what you truly love and what truly makes you happy. And you will um, find a way to make it work or find a way to make it profitable for you if you're passionate about it. Please also don't copy me. I see enough of that in like random commercials and TV shows where I'm like, oh, they're doing oh, that's the they that was a Ron Funches type on that breakdown. <laughs> they could have just hired Ron Funches. <laughs> they could have, but that you know, they never want to pay properly. <laughs> but it's all those things that you're talking about. It's like leaning into yourself, basically. Those are the things that make you unique and the most interesting and the most to, to stand out the most and those are the things that I think we're conditioned both by society and ourselves when we're kids thinking we have to fit in we got to fit in and this society going you got to fit in you got to fit in mm-hmm. and then you kind of have to learn oh no 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 like you said all those things are your strengths and those are the things when you get older trying to be like everyone else is kind of a death sentence because it just makes you like saccharine like it just it just blends you into everything you know and you you don't really need to look outside yourself to do, to 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 grow <laughs> because you know everyone has stuff about themselves that's unique and maybe it's stuff you were ashamed about when you were younger or I'm ashamed that I was that I liked this or I played these games or this and those are all the things that make you fun and interesting when you're older and the things that you enjoy the most so i feel like it's riskier to not lean into yourself, you know, the, the older you get. I agree with you a hundred percent It's boring. And it, yeah, it just, and it makes you just angry. Cause you're like, why, why are you wasting so much time? Just following the pack, just be yourself and enjoy what you enjoy. It's, it's, it means you already win. You like, you don't have to have anybody else win for you. Like I'm, that's been the best thing for me is like, um, outside of the career stuff, it's just being like, Oh, if I have when I used to have a bad set, it used to be the end of my life, you know. But now I'm like, oh, I have a great set. Why do I have a bad set? I'm going to come home and I'm going to be with my son. I'm going to be with my beautiful wife. and I'm going to play the games that I like. My friends are going to be around me. So I already win. So it doesn't matter. Either way, I'm going to swing again tomorrow. (laughs) Well, that that that's really just about enjoying the moments and enjoying the process. And it's so it's just hard to re- it's really just hard to remember that sometimes because it because there's no real like metric for especially in the creative arts it's hard to have metrics for success so we we look at things like how much money how many episodes how many followers all those things and it's like yeah those are accidental like they it doesn't doesn't really like what's your what's your quality of life are you happy with you you know mm-hmm. and, and it's okay. You don't have to make all of the money or do all of the, it's like, but you, you should be happy and you should like yourself and you should enjoy your life and, and more of something means more of everything, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. more problems, more responsibilities, more stress. And, and as, as much as you think it means like more appreciation, more validation, more, you know, it's like mm-hmm. more means more of everything. And that's, that's really hard to remember sometimes yeah it's hard people get overwhelmed it's always surprising to me when i see like people 
that I would consider at least, at least monetarily more successful than I. And, and, but they don't like, they don't take care of their, their life balance. They don't even like, there'll be people and they're like, they haven't taken a vacation in 10 years. They don't have an assistant. They don't have anything that helps them within the, you know, they're like, I mean, I'll tell directly before I could talk a shit. I talked to Fortune Feebster and she was like tweeting about being on hold for Delta for like eight hours. And I was like, I go, you act all day. You are on the theater comedian. You don't have an assistant that could have been hold on, hold on Delta for you. <laughs> and, and the thing she's like, well, you know, I didn't come up from that type. You know, I'm middle, you know, um, Midwest, you know, it's not, I, I'm a, just be like, I don't want to be a person with an assistant. That's a different. I go, right. yeah, but like, that's someone who could use that job, who would love to work for you. You would be helping them out. You have the money, and then you won't be on hold in Delta for six hours. And you can focus on the thing that you do, like the stuff that you that you you know, like focus on, or even just focus on the life balance stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, can Can I ask you about the the wrestling? thing that you did because that when i found out that you did that uh i was excited because i knew how excited you would have been to get to do that Mm -hmm. it's like oh my god ron got to do a wrestling thing i can't imagine anyone who could be happier that they got to do like a like a a legit full-on wrestling match so i just have questions about like training how long did it take is it something you're going to do again? How did it come about? All that stuff. Okay. I'll start at the beginning. I mean, the, the very, very beginning, a few, like when I was like 32, 33, like a friend of mine passed away and it kind of like suddenly, and it just kind of put into my head that thing, uh, you know, that we go through sometimes like, oh, oh, we die. I better go do some things I want to do. And I'd always wanted to, um, my whole life, I, either wanted to be a comedian or I wanted to be a professional wrestler. And I, so I went to this school in uh, like two hours south. It's like in it's like the Bell Garden. So I like, um, you know, get off work and stuff. And I take this two hour drive to this class and I would go there. I went there for like three months, but it was like, it was a serious class. It was like, you would do, I remember one time we did like 300 squats in one, one sitting. And I was like, this sucks. I vomited. <laughs> And then they made me clean up the vomit after. Um, but it was still a good experience, me pushing myself as far as coming. I had never done any, like, sports, team sports in any manner. Um, but I also was going on the road doing stand-up. So I would miss some classes, come back, and be behind the rest of the class. And at some point, I was like, oh, I'm hurting the person. Whoever's got to lock up with me, and I've missed two or three classes, I'm a detriment to them learning. So at some point, I just dropped out of the class um and just thought i wouldn't wrestle at all um but then this other guy just reached out to me this wrestler named shane thorne in the wwe i think he's coming with this really like crocodile dundee steve Irwin australian gimmick um because he's australian but before that he wore a hockey mask and his name was slapjack uh which is not threatening in any manner uh, <laughs> 
but he's a real fun guy and he um knew, knew a lot of people in the la like not necessarily stand-up scene but in comedy writing youtube stuff and he just reached out to me on instagram and was like oh i knew you were training before if you ever want to come spend time at my ring just come on by i went to one of the class and it was so it was like the opposite of what i had been through before it wasn't serious it was a bunch of um co- comedian writers who just love wrestling and but we'd, you know, make sure not to hurt each other. And if we, you know, it was more like if you made a mistake, people would laugh. And I was like, oh, this is much more my speed. I'm not going to die here. And I had been going to these shows at this company called Game Changer Wrestling and where I do um, commentating. And I just naturally been talking trash when commentating towards certain wrestlers uh, and inviting them onto my Twitch show. And one guy, Tony Deppin, he was just kind of a real jerk when he came on my Twitch show, act like he was doing me a favor, like he thought he was the bigger star than I. And so we just naturally did not hit it off. And we just kept building and kept building. I kept talking trash anytime I got to do um, commenta- commentating. And then at one point, he just started... M- making fun of me on Twitter because he heard me. He would go back and listen to his matches. And so he would at me. And then um, the owner of the company was like, do you guys really have issues with each other? And I was like, you know, like, not really, but I don't like, (laughs) kind of, but not really. And he was like, well, what if we did a match? And I was like, well, I mean, no one's ever asked me directly, and this is probably my only chance to do one. And I was like, yeah, let's let's do a wrestling match. And it couldn't have gone any better. Like just the online stuff of me talking about it on the late show with James Corden, him slapping me in the face, uh, my ex-wife thinking it was all real and DMing him. Oh directly. no. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird that was like, oh, I was like, oh, oh, oh my huh. Man, my ex-wife thinks this is real. <laughs> oh my gosh. And was it uh, the actual doing of it? Uh, were you nervous? Were you able to just stay in the moment? I mean, obviously, you know, obviously it is a performance, but it's a performance where people can get hurt if they're not like super mm-hmm. focused and trained and know what they're doing. So mm-hmm. how was the actual mechanics of of doing it? I was so nervous. I was so nervous. I didn't want um, from um, a lot of this. Like, if you think like stand up uh, fans are ruthless, man, you know, they got nothing on wrestling fans. So because as soon as people found out I was doing this match and I'm the baby face in this situation, I'm the good guy. He's the bad guy. And but so many people were tweeting at me like Tony's going to beat you up. You're not you're going to look so bad. You're not going to know what you are doing. you're a fat piece of crap. This is like they would go all out about how you're going to embarrass the entire wrestling community and so i was like man i'm gonna show they don't know they don't know i went to class i went to class for months they don't know i used to be 360 pounds and lost a bunch of weight they don't know that i get it in the gym every fucking day that i'm lifting that i could outlift probably any one of those people they don't know they just see a chubby dude and so i was like i'm gonna show them that i can I can do it. And then Tony, that was kind of his attitude. My opponent, Tony Deppin, he was like, let's show them. He's like, I'm going to make you look good. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And so um, he was basically, he talked to me through the whole time. We like, I, (laughs) this probably wasn't my best thing, but I like, I tried to get there early, but I got there like a half hour before door. So we really only had like, he had to, 
um, we, we got to walk through it for like 10 minutes. He was basically like, we'll do this. We'll do this. He's like, let me see if we can do a Canadian destroyer, which is where like I hold him and then we do like a flip and he lands on his head. And so we practiced it once. And he was like, basically, he's like, when we do this, you're going to need to just go for it. You can't hesitate. If you hesitate, it's not going to look good. I'm not going to be able to get you up. And he's also and he's like, and like, make sure you lean your face sideways. If you don't, if you put your face directly on me, when I land, I'm going to break your nose. Oh, my (laughs) God. But don't worry. I know we tried this once, but don't worry. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I basically that's what things in my head like hold my head sideways, jump with all my fucking might. And um, it was, you know. I just love doing it. And at the end of it, what was cool for me is like you said, it, it was real special for me because there were friends that I had known for years there, friends who I went to wrestling with, uh, a knees and sorry, um, who's like just a wrestling he goes to all the wrestling shows in LA and he was there. My friend X Pac, who had just was known for years, was there. Um, and just this guy who I grew up watching, grew up watching as a little kid, this wrestler named Too Cold Scorpio, uh, one of the first like legitimate like black stars who wasn't like coming like he would dance and stuff, but he wasn't coming out shucking and jiving and being like stereotypical. He was like a legit badass. And so like m- me meeting him was a real dream come true. And then after my match, he was like, like oh like they told me you don't wrestle like they told me this was your first match she goes like this might be your first match but it damn damn sure wasn't your first time in front of a crowd you were surely you were truly an entertainer and i was like that is like like one of the best compliments i've ever received in my life this guy i grew up watching telling me like look i don't know what it is you do i i don't know you but i could tell you are trained in what you do you are clearly a professional that's so exciting because listen, you, you you could probably it'd probably be really great if you know like I don't know Spielberg came up to you and was like, hey man, I really like what you do. I think you're great, but I feel like the story you're going to tell the rest of your life is how that guy, this guy that you grew up watching, appreciated your work, got to see you shine, and complimented you, and like that those the, those things that we kind of form when we're young. Uh, they just stick with us, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, that's going to be one of the most influential experiences of your life. It was so cool that that other wrestler like worked with you and showed you how to do everything and like was like, no, let's make this fun and let's make this a thing. I just I don't know. I have so much respect for it because I didn't really I didn't really watch wrestling when I was growing up. But the more I get to know wrestlers and the more I get to know about it, it just makes me love the people involved in the process because mm-hmm. of how entertainment focused it is and how much of a, a, a like a, 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 a collective community that it is. You yeah, know, it's, a that's true really nice brotherhood and sisterhood of like uh, and what I love is truly how progressive it's gotten. There's so many like outwardly um gay and bi and transgender wrestlers now and uh just this like very open environment in this place that you would assume would not be open and that's one of the things i really like about game changer in particular but like at the end of it like you know as comedians we we kind of learned that brotherhood when we're on the road together when you're like bombing with each other but can you imagine what it's like to like be in a ring with someone and like they know you have a family you and you know they have a family and like 
you got to go out there and try to kind of fight each other and show a great crowd, but you also want to make sure they get home to their family safe and sound. And yeah. like there's people who, you know, break, broke their necks, you know, paralyzed all this stuff because like someone made a mistake. So there's gotta be this like just this true level of trust and love with people that do it. And um, that's one of the things I love about it. Yeah, if you're if yeah, if you're a comedian, if your opener doesn't have a great show, it doesn't break your leg. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So like it, the the whole physical element uh doesn't get worked in with what we do. No. Um but uh well, I Ron, I just I love you to pieces. It's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're happy. I'm so glad. How's your wife doing? Is she is she, is she, is she good? She's doing great. She's good. happy, doing well, working hard. Well, I it's so nice to see your face and I just want to thank you for uh you know, thanks for doing Talking Dead and thanks for doing the podcast and, you know. And I hope I hope I get to I hope I get to do a show. I hope we get to do a show together sometime soon, like a stand-up show. I, I haven't performed since February of 2020, and I'm, you know, I I hope I rem- I was asking you like when you started performing again, were you worried you forgot how to do it? And you go yes, <laughs> but obviously you didn't forget how to do it. But at least I feel like I'm not alone. And like, do I know how to talk in front of people anymore? I think I do. I don't know. No, you're not alone and you still do it. You talk on, you know, you're talking in the shows, you're talking on the podcast. It's you're still exercising those muscles in a different way. Um, You know, it'll be weird and it'll feel weird, I'm sure. But like I found like, especially when I just was doing headline shows, like by the end of the first weekend, I was like, oh, like I may not have all my jokes. I may not have everything I need, but. I remember how my rhythm goes. I can remember how to talk and I can at least put in uh, some subjects. And if I fuck up, I know how to bail out of it. So that's good, too. <laughs> well, Ron, I don't know if there's any better way oh, to do podcast. <laughs> 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 you can't stay here. <laughs> oh, that takes me back to Oregon. <laughs> I don't know. I could not tell you the lyrics. <laughs> It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This motherfucker lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the way back machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts